kids can go out to Kids Corner too, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, as they that's celebrate. What, that's what Marshall said. Yes. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> Y'all like to take a moment to wish a very happy birthday to Miss Winnie Sherwin. Miss Winnie, raise your hand up there, sister. Today is her 25th or so birthday, and we're going to sing happy birthday to her, okay? Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ms. Winnie. Happy birthday to you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my goodness. Well, as Brother Howe said, uh, the stuff ain't hot. Okay? Uh, maybe it will be by the time we get done. Amen. Um, we're continuing on our, our series of messages entitled, Constructing Christian Character. Uh, you may remember that last week we learned that after people come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God then begins to call us and to work in us and to build in us a life that looks remarkably like the life that Jesus lived. In order to accomplish this, we learned last week that that the Lord has given people equal acceptance and also equal standing before God. There's no partiality with God. God also has given us divine power in order to live this life with godliness. We discovered also that He has given us many great and precious promises so that we can be a part of His divine nature. But today, we actually begin with the construction using the components of Christian character. Turn with me in the scriptures to 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is the same scripture that we were in last week, but maybe with just a little bit of a different emphasis. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ... To those who have obtained like precious faith with us through the right, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, Knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if, say if, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. Say abundantly. Abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, your scriptures are so clear. And Lord, I pray now that we have come to this place with humble hearts and receptive spirits to learn how we too can construct Christian character so that we might be a better impact on our community and our nation and our world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You saw there that the Apostle Peter provides us with eight building blocks in order to construct Christian character. Now, if you couldn't tell, we are in a construction zone, okay? For the next seven or eight weeks, we are going to be in this construction zone where we're going to be adding and changing and moving things around so that we might be more effective servants for the kingdom of God and for His glory. All eight of these building blocks, as it were, need to be constructed together. We need to be constructing them at the same time, putting them into our lives so that we might fulfill God's purpose, not only as individual Christians, but also so that we might be a more effective church. But it's the first building block that I'd like to share with you about today. And the first building block to Christian character is F-I-T-H. F-A-I-T-H, faith. Faith, friends, is the very foundation upon which we build our relationship with God. Without faith, you ain't got nothing. Without faith, you cannot build your relationship with God. It is faith that is the heart that makes all these other components possible. Without faith in Christ, friends, you can go no further with God. You must have faith. Without faith, you can't fulfill the purposes that God's got for your life. Without faith in Christ, you will simply flounder as you attempt to do these things in the flesh. So it all begins with faith. And Jesus does a spectacular job of defining this foundation of faith in John chapter 6. If you'd like to turn there, you can. Uh, I'm going to share it with you in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 35. Jesus is conversing with his disciples. And in verse 35, the word of God says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, 
that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone, say everyone, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The first building block that you have to have in order to build or construct Christian character is you have got to be saved on God's terms. You can't be saved by what some man says. You've got to be saved by what the Word of God says. And we're going to discover that today. Unless you're saved on God's terms, you'll never understand all of these other components that will be required to build Christian character. It's faith. Faith is the very foundation of salvation. And so we're going to begin by placing our first foundational stone. For salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Before we can build any of these other components into our character, we must have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the foundation upon which we'll build everything else. And this foundation of faith has three distinct features that we're going to talk about today. It encompasses God's plan for salvation, God's promise for salvation, but also the fact that God provides evidence. God provides proof of salvation. So let's look at that first one back in, in 2 Peter. Again, for this very reason in verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Faith is the first thing. God has a plan of salvation. Everyone in this room needs to be saved. Everyone on this planet needs to be saved. Every man and woman, every boy and girl needs to be saved from the penalty of their sins. And at some point, we must all come to the place where we're willing to admit, I am lost. We've got to come to this place where we're willing to admit, I am not right with God. And I must come to him believing what he says, not what some man or religion says. I must come to him by faith. You see, before you can be saved through faith in Christ, you've got to understand that you're lost. Before you can come by faith in Christ and be saved, you've got to realize you're condemned. Then and only then can you realize your need to be saved. Now Jesus said there in John chapter 6 verse 37, he said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. All that the Father gives me, he said. That led me to wonder, do we have a choice? If Father God is doing the giving, do we really even have a choice about whether to be saved or not? Or is it all up to God? 
all that the Father gives me. But then reading on in verse 44, he also said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So do we have a choice? It's the Father doing the drawing. So if he's drawing me, do I even have a choice to be saved? Hmm. And then I read in Acts 2.21, in Romans 10.13, and in Joel 2.32, the very same verse. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means there is something I can do. On one hand, we've got God's sovereign plan. On the other hand, the liberty and freedom that I have to call upon the name of the Lord. So which is it? How do I get saved? God's sovereign plan or my own free will to call upon his name? Which is it? It's both. It is God's eternal plan, friend. It is God's sovereign plan that people be saved by the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And there is no other way to heaven other than through faith. You see, that is his plan. Salvation by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. It is his plan. And for us to go to heaven, we must adhere to his plan. Now, not only does God have a plan for salvation, but God also gives us assurance of our salvation. In John 6, 39, the word says, actually Jesus, the, the very Son of God, says these words, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he's given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Friend, do you understand that if you've called upon the name of the Lord and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, that once you are saved, you cannot be unsaved? That once you are saved, you cannot be lost again? That once you are the Lord Jesus's, you are His for all eternity? Do you comprehend that when people come to Christ, He doesn't kick them out the door when they mess up? Do you understand that? See, some people believe that you can be saved on one day and you can be lost the next. But the word of God is clear. That once you belong to the Lord Jesus, you are his for all eternity. Jesus says if you're his, he will never lose you. Can't nobody pluck you out of his hand. Nobody. You and I may have lost things in our life. Anybody here ever lost anything before? We may have lost things. Hey, let me tell you something. Jesus don't lose things. Jesus don't lose nothing. Once we're his, we belong to him. So that made me think about this. When we have our property surveyed, the surveyor drives down stakes similar to that. He drives down stakes to determine and define the boundaries of your property. What stakes should you and I drive down to assure us that we are God's property? 
Well, the first stake that we ought to drive down is the fact that we ought to confess that Jesus is Lord. Doubts may come. You may one day doubt that you're saved. Maybe there's sin in your life that you haven't turned away from. Maybe, maybe you're not growing in your faith, so you're beginning to doubt you whether you're saved or not. Just maybe you're struggling believing the Bible because you don't ever read it. Whatever the reason, the first stake that you ought to drive in the ground of God's property is confession. And I'm not talking about confession of sin here. I'm talking about confessing Jesus as Lord. Confessing in your own life who Jesus is to you. Do me a favor. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I want you to see this in the Word of God today because you've heard me preach it forever. But I want you to see it. I want you to see what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 10... Look up at me when you get there. Romans chapter 10, look in verse 9. The Word of God says that if you confess, say confess. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, say believe, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be, say it together, saved. Say saved. Saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to drive that stake down. In God's property. You need to drive that stake down. That Jesus is Lord of your life. Now there's another stake. Another stake that should assure us and help us to overcome our doubts. And that is the confirmation of the Holy Spirit within you. Romans 8.16 declares that the Spirit Himself bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God. Children of God. Of God. That is that God's Holy Spirit will testify to you. God's Holy Spirit will speak to you at the innermost level of your being that you belong to God. That you are a child of God. So when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, yes, you will be saved. And at that point, the Holy Spirit drives that stake down into God's property. And confirms to you that you are a child of God. I read about a little boy. A little boy who doubted he was saved. And so he went to his preacher and his preacher said, Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pretty good advice. So the boy took a two by four. He made a stake out of that two by four and he wrote Romans 10, 13 on that stake. 
And he took that stake out behind the barn. He took his sledgehammer and he drove that stake into the ground. And then whenever he doubted his salvation again, whenever he doubted that he was saved again, he went out behind that barn and he pulled that stake up out of the ground and he read Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he took that stake and he said, listen here, devil. Listen here, devil. God has made me a promise that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And satisfied with that, he plunged that stake back into the ground, confirming that he was saved. Maybe we need to go to such drastic measures ourselves to remind us and assure us when we doubt. What stakes do you need to drive down? Maybe you need to do a lot more confessing that Jesus is Lord. Say it out loud with me. Jesus is Lord. Man, there's power in that confession. And when you make that confession, the Holy Spirit of God will confirm in your spirit that you are a child of God. But there's a Another stake that we can drive down. We drive down that stake of assurance when we certify. That is, we declare it as true. When we certify our faith through baptism. Last week, Mariah publicly certified. She publicly declared her salvation was true. And by following the Lord's command, she was baptized as a believer. You see, you drive down that stake of salvation when you can point back to a time in your life after you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus for your salvation and you followed through and you said, on this day I was baptized. It's a stake of salvation. Through that symbol, you're just testifying outwardly what's happened inwardly. And you can point back to that day. And you can remember that day. And it helped you overcome your doubts. For you to overcome the doubts that come against you. Friend, I got to tell you, you got you to confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Be willing to receive the confirmation that, that the Holy Spirit says you're a child of God. You are His possession. You are His property. You belong to Him. You're His kid. Who wouldn't die for their kid? But also, you ought to be willing to certify publicly. Certify your faith publicly by being baptized as a believer. So we've examined God's plan for salvation. We've also seen how God assures us of our salvation. Now we get into your business, amen? And my business. Now we're going to examine the evidences of salvation. Did you know that God gives evidence of salvation? When you have eternal life, there will be evidence in your life. When you are saved, 
When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, when heaven is your eternal home, when Jesus is your Lord and the Holy Spirit is certifying to you that you are God's child, guess what? There will, say will, there will be evidence in your life. I have physical life. Would you agree with that? I have physical life. And I have evidence of that physical life. It is. My heart is beating. I'm breathing. I'm talking. I know, sometimes too much. I'm eating. Sometimes too much. Amen. Watch out. There's evidence. Evidence in my physical life for nearly 47 years now that I have life. Some of you have lived for 70 years. And the evidence that you've been living 70 years is maybe that your hair's falling out. Some of you living 75 years and the evidence that you have is it seems like you've got a non-stop appointment at the doctor's office. Some of you have lived 80 years and you know that because your teeth go in a cup every night. Some of you wish you could climb a flight of stairs, but at age 90 it just can't happen. That's evidence of that life. But you have life. You're still breathing. You're still talking. You're still eating. You're still feeling. You're still breathing. Some of you are still complaining. Some of you are still rejoicing, however. Life. You have evidence of that life. So what's your point, Brother Bill? Where there is evidence. Where there is life, there is evidence. Where there is eternal life, there is also evidence of that eternal life. I found at least six of them. Six evidences that you have eternal life. The first of which is a new awareness of right and wrong. John 16, 8 says that when He, the Holy Spirit, has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, when you're saved, you have this new understanding about right and wrong. And you have this new understanding about how God feels about sin. For instance, if one of you walked up to the line, went, up to one of those, went inside to one of those bars, the Holy Spirit would likely say to you, you don't belong here. Right? Excuse me? All right. I'm watching y'all. You see, the, when the Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence, He's going to start pointing out sin in your life. He's also going to start pointing out righteousness that should be in your life. And He's also going to point out God's judgment 
if you don't change your life. But there will also be a hunger for the Word of God. The author of Hebrews wrote this. Uh, he talks about solid food, talking about the Word of God being solid food. And he says, solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You see, when you're saved, your palate changes. Growing up as a kid, I could not stand squash. That's the nastiest stuff I ever tasted in my life. But then all of a sudden, I grew up, and my palate changed, and now I love it. When you're saved, you have a new appetite. Bless you. You have a new desire. A new appetite. Your palate has changed. Can I tell you that if, if you can go 10 or 15 or 20 years claiming you're a Christian but not hungering for the Word of God, you lack evidence of eternal life. If you have no concern for growing in your relationship with God through the Holy Scriptures, can I tell you, you better have serious doubts about your reservation in heaven. Because there ain't no evidence. Now, third evidence is the desire for a changed life. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.17, tells us that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you come to Christ, when you receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, you just want things to be different. When you come by faith to Jesus Christ, you just want to start all over again. You want a clean slate, a fresh start, and you want to begin living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Now, that does not mean that you'll do it right every time. You likely will not. However, it does mean that you'll have this desire for a changed life. You'll have this desire to serve the Lord. You'll have this desire to demarcate this line in the sand, step over it, never look back. You've lived long enough for yourself. It's time to live for the Lord. A desire for a changed life. But there will also be, sadly, an increase in testing. The Word of God says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That means that when you really start taking a stand for Jesus, when you really start living the evidences of eternal life, when you really start living as a child of God, you're going to be harassed. When you really take a stand, you're going to be troubled, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be mistreated. So if nothing's bothering you, it's probably because you ain't taking a stand. If nothing's bothering you, then it's probably because you ain't bothering the devil. And he's got his way with you. 
Because when you live a sold out life for God, that wicked one's going to get all riled up. And he's going to start launching attacks at you in every arena of your life. So what do I do? Well, when testing comes because of your stand for Jesus, just count it as evidence. Evidence of eternal life. Another evidence is the, a love for other Christians. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, John wrote, If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar, for he who does not love his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who he hasn't seen? Have you ever had someone ask you if you love someone? And if you said it honestly, you'd say, Yeah, I love them, but I sure don't trust them. John never said nothing about trusting them. But he did tell you, you have to love them. See, so many people are confused. So many people are confused because they think that love is based upon someone else's worth. But if that was the case, Jesus never would have loved me. Love for fellow believers is an evidence of salvation. But the last one this morning is a desire to tell others about Jesus. Psalm 107, of all scriptures, Psalm 107 verse 2, I think, says it clearly. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're redeemed of the Lord, then I, say so. Amen? Amen? If you're redeemed of the Lord, say so. Say amen. 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 Friends, God's plan of salvation is pretty simple. Why don't we just say so? When you come to know Christ, and when you come to the point where, where you know you have eternal life, when you come to the point where you know you have heaven, then you've got to tell somebody. You've got to say so. pretty simple you were born a sinner Christ came and died for you he wants to forgive you and he wants to come into your life and he wants to save you for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and when he does he wants to be your best friend your closest companion Throughout the end of this life. Could it be. That there is someone. Here today. Who has yet to grasp hold. Of God's plan for salvation. Only by, by faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. To receive the grace of God. Could it be that someone here today needs to be assured of their eternal life in heaven? Could it be that someone here today is lacking the evidences of eternal life in their lives? I want to encourage you, if any of those is about you, 
Drive down those stakes. Confessing Jesus as Lord. Drive down that stake. Receiving the confirmation from the Holy Spirit of God that you are His child. Maybe a long time ago you, you came and it was at a revival or a vacation Bible school or something and you said, you know, there was a day. And I remember that day when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. But I never did what He told me to do. I never was baptized. Why don't you drive down that stake today and say, I want to be able to look back and be assured that Jesus is my Lord. Friends, you might need to join a family of God who will love you, nurture you, and help you to grow and help you to provide evidences of salvation in your life. If that's the case, we're getting ready to sing a, a hymn of invitation. And however the Lord is speaking to you this morning, He invites you to make a decision to draw that line of demarcation. Say enough's enough. I'm yours. Father God, I praise you for your holy word. And Lord, I'm heartbroken at times because I know that man tries to make your scriptures so, so difficult when you've made your plan relatively simple. Jesus said it best. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Father, if there's one here who has never taken hold of the plan for salvation you offer, Lord, I pray that you would give them that still soft whisper. And that, Lord, you would provide this foundation whereby they can begin to build and construct Christian character. Father, we can't do a thing until we've placed our faith in Him. Lord, we declare our love for You, and Lord, we pray that You would help us do those things that we must to provide evidences of eternal life and to honor You and bring You glory. Father, we love You this morning, and I pray if there's a decision to be made of any shape, form, or fashion, Father, You speak to them. And let today be their day. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glow. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, He spread His love to everyone. You want to pass it on. What a wondrous time in spring when all the trees are budding. The birds begin to sing.
want to sing it's fresh like spring you want to pass it on i wish for you my friend this happiness that i Tonight is going to be an awesome night.